Welcome to Career Connect, the show where we talk about what's possible for your career. Today we're talking about the role of the first job. Is it important? Is it something that you really have to focus on? Or is it something that you just need to get your foot in the door and work it out from there? In studio today, I have some great guests. I have Pindilia from Accenture and I have uh, Mandy, a graduate who's in the asset management industry. So before we get going, I'd really like to know more about you. Pindilia, tell us about you. Okay, thanks Ronin. As you said, I'm a graduate recruiter at Accenture. Um, so basically my role is for me to bring graduates into Accenture. So I really do have an understanding of, you know, what graduates go through, the whole experience of, you know, just being a grad, I guess, <laughs> a young person, if I can call it that. So yeah, I've, I've, I work, I've worked a lot with youth um, throughout my years within this field. Um, so it's been quite an interesting experience, I guess, to really, you know, get in touch with young people and stay young <laughs> at oh. the same time. Yes. Are you assuming that everyone knows who Accenture is? Um, I guess a lot of people sometimes don't know who Accenture is. So Accenture is a consulting um, firm. So we deal with strategy consulting. We do consulting, management consulting. We work within operations, technology consulting, as well as, as, well as digital consulting as well. Um, so it's quite a broad um, environment, um, very interesting environment. You get to learn quite a lot within Accenture. Accenture changes the way the world lives and works. So it's one of those places where if you're in there, you will grow and learn. Um, and for me, it's been quite an interesting journey. We call it the Accenture Adventure because every single day is an adventure being there. That's awesome. Maybe when I grow up, I'll send my CV. Yes, you should. <laughs> <laughs> Mandy, tell us about you. Um, I'm currently working for one of the asset management companies as a financial specialist. Um, I've moved from the traditional private banking into the investment world, which is quite different. And it's quite interesting because it's within the financial services space as well. And uh, something new outside from what I've studied. And uh, um, what I love about it the most is that you get to learn a lot about investments and offshore investments as well, how to really, really make um, money out of, uh, you know, out of nothing as well. So um, having hand to handle such uh, financial records and seeing how much money is out there is actually quite a thrilling feeling for me as well. I mean, it makes me want to make my own money as I stand right now. I'm not only a financial specialist, I've registered my business as, a, as an aspiring entrepreneur. And I already have my first client, which I've developed um, a costing model for them of which I've already gotten my first invoice. So you push beyond what you can do with, with, what, with where you are so that you can stretch yourself. So let yourself. me ask you up front, is this a dream job? It is a stepping stone towards the millstone. When you were studying finance at university, was this what you had in mind? I saw myself as a CEO when I studied. Vindule, so does, this sound, does this sound like a common response? Um, I think a lot of graduates, when they start, have got this perception that going to walk in mm. two years' time, I'm in there sitting in the CEO office. I've got you know my corner office with all these big windows, and I've got my PA who does everything for me. But the reality is that you know it takes a while for you to get there, and the starting point is what's most important. But also, to, just to add on the point, um, 
I think also the material that we use at varsity level gives us that perception when you're doing that balance sheet, you know, that financial understanding, the financial position of a company, you know, having to make those ethical decisions for the company. It gives you this perception that you can literally run a company. You are literally there. And then when you literally get your first job, you're then faced with ad hoc admin and you then faced with this whole emotional cluster within your personal space, thinking that you're better than what you're doing. Yeah. So now let's look at this. Tell us about your first job. Okay, so my first job um, after university. So I've worked my whole life. I've got one of those families where even if you're five years old, you are going to work. <laughs> so outside of university, I had worked at university as well. But outside of university, my first job was at SAA. Um, so my uncle called me one day and said, look, tomorrow you need to leave, come. And I was already in Joburg. I had to go through the whole um, recruitment process at SAA. And I found myself there working with an international departures. And my role was to take kids from, <laughs> from the check-in points onto the plane. That's literally what I did the whole day. I sat and I waited for people to bring their children or for people to bring any un unaccompanied um, passenger and take them onto the plane. But so, looking it also back, has benefits in a sense. Yeah, looking back, what do you think what do you think this job gave you? Um, for me, I think for one, I've just in terms of uh, being in a workspace, um, in my family it's really about whatever situation you're in, you need to make sure that you work hard at it. So I never saw it as my end goal. I knew that I had bigger bigger dreams. So it was a matter of be here and do the best you can because somebody will notice you. But one thing that it taught me was the patience because you sit there for about eight hours plus. Sometimes you have to work weekends and you work almost a full day and you wait for, you don't know who's coming, you don't know what's going to happen, but you keep yourself busy. So I used to read the newspaper. I was playing Sudoku. I was connecting with, you know, other passengers would come. I was connecting with my colleagues as well. But it taught me a lot about people relations. Um, if the team that was working at the check-in counters needed help, especially when we get the flights, like your, um, your, your Luanda flights and your Lagos flights get really packed, you would have to be there, you know, stepping in, being part of the team. So that's one thing that it taught me that as much as mm. you might be working in isolation, you are part of a greater team. And when you need to step in, you need to be there, you know, and putting in all the work. It might seem a bit um, meaningless, but you put meaning into the work that you do. And I think for me, that's what was most important. And it really set the tone for yeah. the rest of my career. That's really interesting. I mean, for the viewers at home thinking about you're, you're about to finish your studies and you're thinking, what's really important? What am I dreaming about? And am I going to land that dream job? Mandy, did you land your dream job? At first, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Before I even thought of getting a job, I was unemployed for a year after graduating. Um, you know, when you've had, you know, your, your life in your hands and you've handled it, you know, you, you, especially from a varsity perspective, you know you handled your results, you handle your time, you know, in terms of studying and everything. You, you always think that you are, you know, you are, you know, in control of everything. And so what happened? Suddenly, suddenly, you don't get a job for a year. Emotionally, you break down. You don't know what's happening. Is the world not seeing my CV? Am I doing something wrong? 
And then my first job was through an agent, a recruiting agent, which I was a temp at one of the banks. Um, I was earning 20 rand an hour working for a debit and check card fraud department, call center agent. Mind you, I have a degree in accounting. My expectations were, my dreams are to be a CEO. My expectations were to be in the finance, do accounting record books and all of those things. But I ended up. How did that job set you up for where you are today? Emotionally, it, it, it grew me, you know, to be a more of a stronger individual when, when, when you don't get what you expect out of life. You, you get to, you know, grow from that because it's part of the, it's part of the quality that, you re, that are required even to be a CEO. You know, you are required to face unexpected, unforeseen circumstances that you have faced. I, it was that me landing that job was unforeseen. I mean, I, n- I never thought I'd be there, but I had to be humble and work. And I knew the purpose of why I'm working was to earn a living and also not forgetting my dream in the process of me growing there. Understanding that I needed to grow my competency skills. That is, of course, you deal with your exiles when you're doing your report, you know, your, 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 your PowerPoints, you know, those skills you start sharpening in a, in a corporate sense, even though you might have stepped into the finance world. Now that I'm in finance, all of those skills that I've rendered have come into place in terms of how I do my reporting now. I started to be sharpened and finance, the finance team now there are things that they don't know that I've accumulated in all those other spaces I've been when it came to the work environment. You even use the word services rendered. You're starting to sound like a textbook. <laughs> now, you know, I think what we've covered today is that, you know, you may not land your dream job up front. If you do, you're very lucky and there are things that you need to do to keep it and to make sure it's a stepping stone. If you don't, it seems like it's not the end of the world. And... After the break, we're going to talk about the do's and don'ts in your first job. We'll see you after the break. I think you should stay in your first job as long as it takes you to grow and start feeling like you can no longer grow. Like when you feel like you've reached your maximum and you feel stagnant and there's nothing it is that you can't do, then I think that's when you should find new challenges. Ah, well, being a part of the film and television industry, I think I would like to start off in film more so than television broadcasting. I think that's where I want to be. Obviously not starting off in a very high position job because there's a lot of responsibility, but just learning the ropes a lot better. So, (laughs) I don't know, I'd like to be on movie sets. Well, because I'm on the radio side of things, um, I would love to start off at a commercial radio station. I currently work at uh, a campus radio station where I study. So already just by doing that, I'm getting the experience and that also matures me at the same time for the next job as well. So radio would be a great place to start for me. Um, I would say when you go in for your first job, I think it's, it's to get the basics down. So like to like if you have a training program if they train you before your job if they tell you this is your job job description you need to kind of get that well honed in so that you can prove you're a good worker you have good work ethic and yeah i think that's the the middle line is that you need to prove that you have good a very good work ethic when you start a new job especially your first job 
Well, I definitely like to achieve recognition, build a name for myself, clientele as well, and help people and develop and grow within the organization. Welcome back. So we're talking about your dream job. We're talking about did it work out for you or didn't work out for you. Well, let's explore now what happens you get the job, whether it's your dream job or not, how should you carry yourself in the organization? Pindile, what are your thoughts? Um, I can speak from my own experience. Uh, I think the one thing that I always do, whether it be at my first job or all the jobs I've had, is just to make sure that you introduce yourself to people. That's the number one thing. <laughs> yeah. Introduce yourself and then? You introduce yourself and you just make sure that you are open to learning. So ask questions. I don't think there's ever a stupid question because you actually don't know. Ask the questions. Make sure that people know who you are and why you're there as well because it can be a bit of a struggle if people don't actually you know, understand um, the reason why you're there or what it is that you're going to do because sometimes people do feel threatened by newcomers in the, in the workplace, especially young people. Mani, is this something you've experienced? Um, yeah, like, um, as, I, as, as, as a graduate coming to the workplace, there are these courses that you are taught, like communications, for instance, as a, as a course that you pay for. I mean, you hear thousands of rands, and then you're living between what corporate is and what you are and what is expected within corporate. So there's this mixture of behavior that you, even as an individual, that you get when you get there. So I, 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 I guess that... Um, for any individual, I mean, it's all about basic principles that you have, your values as an individual. If you can carry your values throughout um, your first job and be courteous and be earnest as who you are, I think that will carry you through. And be, you, you, you're going to attract a lot of uh, people that want to engage with you, have conversations because that's what I always get in any job that I get. Well, let me ask a question. So you saying match your values, your personal values to that of the company. Yeah. Well, what happens if your personal values don't stack up against the companies? I think a lot of the time you probably would not have made it through the door if yeah. your values and those of the company mm. don't match up. Um, yeah. Yeah. For my personal opinion, uh, but sometimes you need to take a step back and really think about it. I think going home reflecting on your first day or reflecting on your first week or your first month, those that helps a lot in understanding whether that is the place for you to be. If you don't go back home and reflect, um, it becomes very difficult for you to really understand whether that is the place for you. What stands out from your first day? Um, well, the fact that I, I'm always myself anywhere, at every, at every industry I go to. And the fact that I get to go to make, when I go make coffee and then I meet people, and then I start having, I mean, I make friends suddenly um, based on the, the person that I am. So it's, it differs from each and every person on, on, on what stands out. I mean, for me, it was more about learning people because I'm more of a people's person more than the job. And I think that's what stood out the first day before because you learn the job in a couple of weeks time. So yeah, I could say yeah. Most people find it very scary coming into the workplace. This is a, it's an unknown area. It's something that you've thought about, but you haven't had much experience, and they're really, really petrified to mess up. Do you remember the first time you messed up? I remember 
quite clearly. Um, I had um, a quarrel with one of the managers. Um, it was especially around December time. We were expected to, as temps, we were expected to stay the entire December work during Christmas and not go see our families while other people were going on leave. And then I stood up for myself and I said, I, I need to be home. I, that's, that, that's it. Like, I need to be home. It's part of the tradition. It's part of us as a family to be home, you know, gathering and, and what's so the... How did that go down? Everybody was watching us. I said, it's, I don't care. That those are the words I used. I do not care about the fact that somebody needs to be here on Christmas and New Year's. But I, for one, I am leaving and I need, I'm gonna, I have leave. And if you don't approve it, fine, give me an unpaid leave, but I have to be there. It's part of, I don't question, so I told my manager that, I don't question when you have religious, um, you know, um, aspects of your, you know, I respect your religion and way when you have to take leave, but I would actually want my religion to be actually um, respected as well. So that became a quarrel. No, you're not going. Then I was like, okay, then we need to decide what's going to happen. Am I staying or not? She gave me an ultimatum. And I said, then I'm resigning. I'm leaving because I will not be put in a position where my religion is, not, is, is compromised. So there's always those, those huge quarrels and then everybody was watching. And also, the, I think there's also, a, okay, it's a, it's a different topic on its own. Let me just, just leave it there. So, what do you make of that? Sure. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure whether I would have handled <laughs> things in the same manner. I think it becomes very difficult um, when you are a, a new grad to figure out how to navigate those kind of situations. Uh, but what I found helped uh, with, you know, certain things where you've started a job mm. and you know that you might need to go on holiday when it's not time to, is for you to speak upfront. You know, um, I remember when I started at my first corporate role, um, I had to go to Brazil for a Capoeira um, competition. But on my first day already, I had said to her, I understand I'm not going to have leave, but I would need that time. And I was, I was provided that time. But I think had she said no, then I possibly would have handled things a little bit differently. I would have said, okay, it's fine. I'll you know, probably have to forfeit this trip and see because depending on how important the job is mm. um, and how important it is for your career or your family, whatever the situation you're coming from, yeah, that will help you make those decisions. But I, I know for sure I would not have handled it in the same way. <laughs> yeah. HR was even confused on how to handle the matter. It's a ruffled a lot of feathers. Now, let's, let's think about if at that time, in your first couple of months, you had the facility to phone a career expert and you had, on your, on your speed dial, you had Pendelia's number. As, as a new entrant into the workplace or as a graduate, what, what would you ask her? Um, I would have asked her about the situation that I actually w went through, the one that I just talked about. Maybe asked, how do I handle a situation like this? Because I understand that we all, as graduates, we always think we're right, we fight for our rights, you know, fight for what is mine. But when you're dealing with corporate, how do I leverage, you know, 
the fact that I want to go on holiday and the fact that I can't take leave and the fact that I need to be at work, how do I approach the manager? What, what, what's my approach? Mm -hmm. Rather than me thinking that this is how I'm going to approach it, stemming from a personal space, which that then reveals other, you know, uh, creates other tensions in the office based on the fact that I approached it unprofessionally. So I would have asked more of a professional way of approaching my situation that I was faced. So we've seen a lot of research and a lot of viewers express to us that the, the most sobering thought in your first year is, my time is not my own. Mm. What, what would you say to that? Um, you being in the workplace is an exchange of your time and exchange of your skills for whatever it is that you get paid mm. at the end of that month or week, whenever your pay schedule is. So you need to understand that going into the work environment when you sign the contract that says 40 hours, you know, all these um, terms and conditions, you need to understand the fact that within the time frame that you are there, that time is not yours because you're exchanging it for something. Yeah. Um, it's quite important to Whether understand. Are you happy or not at the exchange rate? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You offer your service. I think also, I think if we were to think, if we were to change, shift our mindset as individuals, not only just for graduates, I think every person that's working, if we were to shift our mindset and say, I'm a consultant to the company, and they are, they need my skills more than I, they need, more than I need them. So what, I, what do I need to do? I need to deliver to the expectation of what they're going to remunerate me of. And if you can think about it that way, it's just like, I had, I had this epiphany when I actually um, registered my company and I got my first client. I actually thought that, you know, I'm actually putting myself out there for the client and putting the expectations that they're reaching the, the greater expectations because I know that what I'm going to, this model that I've developed for the client, I'm going to get incentive for it. So I looked at it that if, if we were to carry ourselves like that as individuals, there's far greater, you know, room for us to grow in corporates if we were to use that mindset. So I, I want to challenge you. Is it enough to provide just what's expected? Beyond expectation. What do you think? I was going to say with, in, in the, at Accenture, the, the one thing for us is you need to operate at the level above you. Because for you to be recognized as exceptional, you need to be operating beyond what is expected. So coming in as an analyst, for instance, you should be operating at a consultant level. When you're a consultant, you know, what is the next level from there? Because it also allows you time, um, an opportunity to stretch yourself uh, beyond what you can do. Get outside of the comfort zone. Um, yeah. So, oh, here's the question. Are you operating like someone above you or are you just doing what's good enough? What a fascinating show. Thank you both for, for coming along and can't wait to see you for the next episode.